Hey guys, what's up? Motorcycle Dad with Tito. Happy Saturday. What is happening, everybody? Happy Saturday to you. It is a beautiful day here in Vegas. I think the high is going to be like 82 degrees, 80 degrees, I think. We got Vegas Bike Fest going on. You'll hear me rant about Vegas, Vegas Bike Fest in the, in the second segment. Uh, but today we're just going to keep it light, simple Saturday from the Beat Laboratory. Uh, I've been out here already this morning for a couple hours, uh, dicking around, cleaning up from changing uh, my brother uh, my brother's tires from the other day. Always got to clean up after yourself, so I'm just doing some of those shenanigans. Um, first segment, we're going to do some motorcycle news, some industry news, and then uh, I'll go into my rant about being in the garage or my second segment. So... Uh, let's get some motor, motorcycle news in here. So doing my research, using the interwebs, the most reliable source to man. Everybody knows that. Everybody's going to bitch about it. But you know what? It's the way to get some of this news, guys. Do some research. So I don't know if a lot of people are familiar with M. Viagusta. M. Viagusta is a motorcycle manufacturer that's Italiano, based in Italy. And... I'll be honest with you, I I know uh, Envy Augusta was started by Count Augusta and blah, blah, blah. It means motorcycle art. You know what? It doesn't mean shit because just like you're as good as the last bike on your lift, well, Envy Augusta, you're as good as about the last bike that I fucking touched from you guys being a Envy Augusta dealer and having to deal with you fucks. So look, not to knock Envy Augusta too hard, I will say this much. Their main focus as a company is motorcycle art. That's what they thrive on. They have some bikes and super, you know, in the super bike races. And matter of fact, the person I'm going to have talk about this is Dagan. We're going to have Dagan on to talk about Envy Augusta. We'll do a whole section. But just a small background for what my, you know, simple minded brain is capable of holding is, uh, Certain part of Italy from the rest of the Italian makers, uh, their main focus was always on creating motorcycle art. Still to this day, they're renowned for knowing, no, they're known for having the most beautiful motorcycles uh, made on the planet. I know, like, probably the person that you might know that's associated with them is going to be Lewis Hamilton, who's, uh, you know, the Formula One racer. So he has a deep bond and relationship with Envy Augusta, which, quite frankly, I think has helped save them a little bit. Um, because they make beautiful machines with a fucking horrible at business. I, I couldn't stand dealing with them. Me personally, as a dealer, dealing with them at a director level on the service side, I hated them. Um, but looking at them from a, an aesthetic side, I think they made a beautiful machine. Um, good initiative, bad judgment in some places. Uh, I think they need to focus a little bit more on their power plant and their quality control. Um, yeah, where they make these beautiful machines, sometimes the beautiful machines fucking suck. Uh, with leaks and stupid items directly from the factory. And that's my experience dealing with them. But most of the people that end up buying Envy Augustas, being quite frank, are, are like art collectors in a sense of to, they love the way the motorcycle looks and feels. Um, they've had problems with their rear brakes before on their F3s. We'll talk about that a little bit later with Dagan. But I tell you all this background to get to this. Okay. Envy Augusta has now been funded for another five years. Okay, meaning they're good to go for another five years with their business model, their plan. 
Uh, I know they got a new executive, uh, they got a new CEO, they got a new executive team at the top that has come in as a part of this five-year funding. So their mission is to try and sell around 25,000 units within the next five years. Now, that may sound like a lot, but when you keep in perspective that Harley-Davidson sells, what is it, uh, a buddy of mine that worked in motor company told me one time they sell 22,000 black street glides a year. Uh, just black street glides. This is not street glides, period, guys. This is black street glides. 25,000 a year or 22,000 a year. It's like, okay. So you're starting to see what I'm talking about with MV Augusta being more of a boutique brand. They're not into selling the mass volumes, but they're starting to get to the point as a company where they have to focus on that a little bit more. Uh, I think they're, they're moving in a better direction because the people that they have bought on these executives, I was reading some of their backgrounds. You're talking about guys that are very strong in manufacturing operational standpoint because that's what they're looking to focus on they're looking to focus on directly from them to develop their sales and service network okay now as a dealer i can tell you right now their network sucked when it came to that um i would have customers that would come in from you know they bought the bike from another dealer come to me for warranty they're looking to get a grommet and the way their ordering system worked you had no clue if it shipped you had no tracking information it showed up when it showed up, and maybe because my guys weren't utilizing the system properly and I wasn't trained properly enough on the system, but me dealing with multiple platforms, unfortunately, and dealing with Chinese fire drills in my last job, I just didn't have time <clears throat> to devote as much as I would like to towards that. But if they can give dealers better a better system or better training to function the system they have, and speed up their availability and some of their processes and their warranty stuff, it'd be great because I can tell you right now, there's a bike that we were married to. It was a Teresma Veloce. It was uh, basically, it's like your uh, Multistrada kind of S1000 XR in that class where it's considered sport touring. Um, well, we had one that had problems from the get-go and it fucking sucked. And it was sad because the customer really loved the fucking brand and really loved his Envy Augustas. But he was definitely after a year going back and forth with Envy Augusta and just kind of the runaround that they gave us where it was like no one wanted to take any responsibility because the way their company is works and structured at the time. If somebody was to make a call and they paid for it and it comes out it wasn't the right car it wasn't approved at a higher level then that individual or that segment would have to pay for it out of their budget so what you had was a culture of no one wanted to take responsibility for shit no one really you got very mediocre support from their level um there were some good people in that group don't get me wrong there's always good people in that group i'm just talking about as a whole they just kind of fucking sucked at it so i'm glad to see that that's going to be their focus I think they're, they need to really work on their parts distribution and their warranty because those are some of the things that have really, really killed them, at least at my level, seeing it at a customer standpoint, customers waiting for months on end without parts in sight and no kind of update. And, you know, here it is, the Envy Augusta guys you deal with in North America can't give you an update because it's from Italy, separate systems. If they can bridge those gaps and close it down, I think Envy Augusta has got a really good thing. So I see this being a good thing for Envy Augusta. I still think it's a fucking waste of money, if you ask me. Uh, but don't ask me because I've never owned one. I've only dealt with them on the warranty perspective and, you know, at an operational standpoint. So that's where my judgment is going to come from. But to me, that's a after sales, after the bike is sold, that's a huge part of it. 
and I just think that they kind of sucked at it. So if they can get better at that, as mu- as good as they are at making beautiful machines, they'll be great. Because I mean, I know that Lewis Hamilton edition, we had one and it didn't last long. A dude from LA bought it because it was the only one on the West Coast. So they make some immaculate looking machines. It's just they really got to tighten up their after sales. So that being said, that's the news on Envy Augusta. Now I'm going to move on to a fan favorite. Guys, I don't know if you heard, but the can of tuna, the katana, is coming back for 2020. Suzuki has announced that they are doing a new version for the U.S. And it's going to drop this year. And they're looking at around, it's going to be available in November. And starting MSRP is going to be around $13.5. So, uh... If you're a huge Suzuki Katana fan, here's your chance to get another one. I don't know. Like, I'm like, oh, don't care. I'm over it. I mean, granted, they they have upgraded with inverted forks and such just from the pictures. I haven't read all the specs, I'll be honest with you, because I'm just not that big enough a fan of a fucking can of tuna or a Katana to want to fucking go ahead and do all that kind of research. But for those of you out there that care you know, much about those kind of things, there you go. So, moving on to other dealer news. Okay, so Microsoft executive bought a bunch of dealerships in the Seattle area, one of which is Ducati, I think another one's BMW. Uh, Howard something, I can't remember his name right now. Uh, I got it in my notes, but chicken scratch. So, um, apparently the dealership is defaulted on, they owed around $2.7 to their manufacturers. The manufacturers have... Uh, filed a lawsuit against them and now you're looking at uh they have taken control of the assets and the dealership is shut down and this is really fucked up because there was literally where people customers and employees went to show up to work and the doors were chained shut so you're going to be looking at some restructuring in your seattle area coming soon for you ducati uh beamer guys i don't know if new ownership is already taken over, if they're working on that, I think uh, Howard, this guy still owns the dealership per se, and maybe they're trying to negotiate something. I'm not sure. I vaguely read about how they're negotiating and the negotiations didn't go through as well. And pretty much he was like telling these guys in a sense to fuck off and I can do what I want. And they were like, no, not to my house. And they filed a lawsuit and got all their shit back or at least all their uh, their inventory that they had they're working on so you're talking about 2.7 million in inventory or owed probably around 2 million in inventory um so be looking for some pretty cool deals coming out of the seattle area the next couple months is all i got to say or you're probably gonna have a lot of dealers like the old uh matter of fact the old company i work for that's what he did you know you had some dealers that was shut down he'd go in and buy some of their created brand new created models they were two three years old dirt cheap and then he fucking undershoot everybody in the country kind of piss them off but you know when you're making money that's business uh not necessarily the way i do it but guess what if i don't like it go open up my own fucking place right same same philosophy so uh some other exciting news came out of aim expo is now we've known that i've known this for a while but they kind of at the dealer level try to keep us hush hush and I'll be honest with you, looking at the shitty parts logistics of Royal Enfield and how they were, I didn't want to get my myself too excited. But they've been partnering up with SNS now, Royal Enfield and SNS, like SNS Performance Parts, 
for Harleys and shit. Uh, they've been working together over the past like couple years. Um, they broke the you know land speed record for the class of motorcycle for the Royal Enfield uh, with cams and such, and they were just really keeping it on the DL from us uh, as dealers. And I understand why they didn't want us to get you know all excited and you know start bragging about SNS this and SNS that and shit not you know go through or parts availability so on and so forth. But at the Ames Expo. They decided to unveil their Royal Enfield Himalayan flat trackers. Um, their drone is trying to get an excitement into the sport and flat tracking is really, really, really big now. It's like one of the fastest growing segments in the sport of motorcycling. So they're trying to, you know, they're doing the right thing and they're just trying to feed off of that. And the Himalayan, personally, I own one, is a single cylinder, long stroke, 410 cc thumper, aka El Buro. AKA the donkey, hee-haw. I fucking love that bike. I had so much fun with it. So when I hear SNS and flat tracking and performance parts, I just get excited. They develop some cams, uh, high flow something, and uh, high mount exhaust for this flat track versions. They look pretty fucking sweet. Just go Google Royal Enfield SNS flat track and you'll see these things look like you and about four or five of your buddies get on them. You guys are going to bash into each other. You're going to be bruised and battered at the end of it, but you're going to have a fucking blast and no one's going to be seriously hurt because you can't fucking go with so fast. Like, don't get me wrong. I love my, uh, my donkey, my, my Himalayan, but, or as they would say, Himalayan, so they would try to correct me and shit. It's Himalayan. It's a fucking murder. Himalayan. Um, I had a blast with mine. I got in trouble quite a few times with the police here in uh, local Las Vegas area because I would mount curbs. Uh, it was it was like that first fucking dirt bike that I wanted that I could never fucking afford. So I had a lot of fun on it. It was my everyday commuter for a while. I rode that thing every day to and from work. Uh, for the price, you're looking at like four grand brand new. You can't beat it. So I definitely got one and we had a lot of fun with it. And now SNS is doing some fucking cool shit. I would say that's pretty fucking dope. So don't sleep on the Royal Enfield Himalayan. Go check that fucking thing out, dude. It's pretty fucking cool. Um, I'm trying to see what else I got. Oh, yeah. You know what? All right. So I want to focus on some of the good things that are going on in the industry. And right now, special shout out. Last time I gave one to Arch. This one I'm going to give one to Polaris. Okay. Now, Polaris, they've, I mean, their stock is amazing. They had better stock about two, three years ago when they were sitting about 110 a share. Now they're sitting at 88, 90 a share. They're doing really good. Uh, two portions of that is the Razor, their side-by-side uh, UTV market. And also they, they doubled down on Indian. Uh, they got rid of Victory. There's a lot of Victory guys. I know they're upset, but I think it was the right move for them considering Indian's the oldest American motorcycle manufacturer. Not Harley. Indian is. Um, Indian has had its ups and downs. They've been through a couple different millionaires that have purchased them uh, throughout the years that just never had the they never had the logistics and the right support. They just had billions of dollars. And quite frankly, sometimes billions of dollars just ain't enough. Just being rich ain't enough, guys. Uh, you got to know what the fuck you're doing. And Polaris came along and bought Indian back up from this British billionaire. Who, you know, he ran it into the ground again because when you're not really sure what to do with a brand, you don't really know what to do with it. It's an American brand, British. Okay, good luck. Um, but they've done a really good job with Indian. Uh, their biggest hit in the past couple years has been the Scout. Remember the Scout? And if you think it's not, like, oh, Scout's not so popular. 
The scout is so popular, guys. At one point in time, Polaris was buying them back from Eagle Rider, used with like two, three thousand miles on them because they had such a fucking backlog. I knew people that were going coming from other states to buy them because their local dealer had a six or seven month waiting list for scouts and they'd have to go to another state. So, and the scout is like a, it's you got a hundred horse right off the fucking back for a bike that I want to say is around 500 pounds, maybe 550, 560. I got to look at the spec up. And it's a bike that somebody can grow into, not just, oh, I'm going to buy a Sportster and six months later, I'm going to trade it in for something bigger. Um, so they did really did a really good job with the Scout. And now this year, of course, you're getting, you know, when you're talking about bang for your buck, we already talked about this as far as the cruising class or your touring model class. When it comes to the V-Twin, I think that uh, they definitely take the cake on it. They're they're winning. I'm Hands down, I think that they're winning the V-Twin. V-Twin battle okay now you bring into calculation they got the new fxr which is pretty much the high performance version of the scout if a lot of you guys didn't know the f uh, or the ftr was introduced uh when what's this travis pastrana last summer i want to say he recreated like four or five of the evil knievel rides here in vegas in one day and if it was on it was on an ftr FXR, I apologize if I don't want to confuse those two because I think this by far, the FTR, I mean, all right, look, if I got to pick between a can of tuna or FTR 1200, I'm going to pick the FTR. You're looking at it, it's a, it's a higher suspension setup than your normal Scout setup. Uh, the motor is tuned differently. I don't know what the specs are right now on the motor. Let me see. Oh, well, look, I got specs right here. CC wise, you're looking at 1200 CCs. You're looking at 120 horsepower. It's inspired by flat tracking in Dunlop Racing. It's got Brembo brakes. Let's see what some of the other specs are. <laughs> Fuel infected, dual overhead cam. Peak uh, torque, you know, 123 horsepower out the gate, 87 foot-pounds of torque. That's without doing any kind of fucking, you know, any kind of any kind of other extra work, wet work there any any extras like you know exhaust intake you're 488 pounds full of fuel empty on the tank with a full tank you're sitting at 500 on the nose 508 pounds on the nose uh brimbo brimbo they're huge dunlops come with it inverted forks monotube mounted suspension uh comes in a couple different colors with a two-year warranty two-year unlimited mile warranty not only that, the gauges are LED display, fancy fucking, this thing's got standard equipment, USB port, ABS, and cruise control, all, all standard, and the LED lights all the way around. And they have a specialized version. So just this version, the stock, what you're getting off the floor is 13. That's not bad for your money. And then you're including all the special edition versions they have with a special paint scheme for the tracker collection that comes with exalt, with a, you know, pro taper bars, and all that stuff. Now, I don't know if you guys have been paying attention, but Indian has been crushing it with a version of this, the Scout Flat Tracker. They have been crushing it on the flat tracking circuit, which is funny because one of those circuits is sponsored by Harley. And I think last year, number one and number two spot in the entire series went to Indian Scout Riders. So Indian definitely hit it out of the park with the Scout and then with the FTR 1200. They did their research. They got some good influencers behind the brand. 
Um, I really think they've re really marketed the brand as American and they've really done a good job with it. So I'm going to give mad kudos out to Polaris. Uh, like I said, I know there's a lot of, in, you know, victory guys that are kind of butthurt. They don't make the victory anymore. But what they're offering, I mean, shit, guys, you can get a Scout Bobber for 11. You can get a Scout, uh, Scout 60 for 8.9 MSRP. Scout Bobber 10.9. Dude, I think we were selling fucking Bobbers over at Triumph for like 13, 14, and that was like end of the year special shit. So when you're talking about bang for your buck, lineup-wise, the support they're giving with the two-year unlimited mile, I I don't know, guys. Polaris is taking the cake. If you're asking me right now who I think the number one American motorcycle manufacturer is, I'm going to sit back and say Indian. And Polaris is definitely taking the cake because they're bringing a lot of people into the power sports industry with side-by-siding, people that may not feel comfortable on ATVs and shit. And it's helping grow the market. And I'm, I'm like this. Like, you guys know me. More people in the fucking sport the better so boop. well guys look i'm gonna break in that's enough for motorcycle news in this segment all right next time we got some tech tips and bullshit coming up thanks for listening more to come hey guys tito back here second segment we're gonna nickname saturday a one one shoot or one uh one take saturday because I'm only doing these in one take. Usually I'll, I'll like, I'll do it, listen to it if it's not right, this, that, and the other. We're free balling it today, guys. We're free balling it today. <laughs> uh, look, Vegas Bike Fest is in town. So uh, I think I've vaguely talked about how I feel about bike rallies and some of these fests. But also, as much as I'm critical on them, I think they're good for the sport. I think they're good for people uh, connecting, getting more involved, stepping outside their comfort zone of what they would normally consider riding or such for, you know, something like that, or being around, you know, big bad bikers or, you know, the fucking crazy kids on the, doing wheelies on dinas or sport bikes, one of the two, either way. I think it's always good, but at the same time, I've been to so many of these, or at least being living in Florida, you know, you got the biggest one, which is Daytona. I've been to that one, I can't even tell you how many times. And, the nostalgia is kind of worn off for me. I always view these as vendor traps and alcohol traps. But realistically, if you go down there with a good group of people or with good intentions, you end up getting some okay deals and, you know, you can end up having some fun. So now if you're going with the intent of, oh, I'm just going to, you know, I'm going to go down here and get trash. Don't even fucking ride. There's no point for fucking what? If you're just going to ride there, which... I'm telling you right now, from Vegas, it's no more than a 30-minute ride at that. It'll take you longer to find fucking parking. Um, but if you're going to ride down there just to drink and buy shit and then fucking enjoy the music and get hammered, then don't even fucking ride. There's no fucking point. I don't understand why you're going to ride. But if you're going to go down there, you're just going to kick it for a few hours, chill with some of your people, maybe have a beer, you know, relax, just chill, listen to some music and stuff, then, yeah, it's a great time. Um, you're probably going to get bored pretty easily because me, I'm the type of person... I don't like sitting at these things and just, like, um, I know enough about what I need to get and where to get it, where I don't see going down there to fuck with vendors as a huge, like, Oh, I'm going to save so much money. I don't see that value in it. Um, maybe some cool fucking man rings or some cool bedazzled jeans. Some of you guys like wearing, maybe that's a good time to get them. You know, your girlfriend can wear matching fucking jeans. 
because I know there's some douchebags out there like that. Uh, <laughs> don't even get me started on that shit. You'll see plenty of that shit. And that's like another thing for me. Like I've never fit the stereotypical biker or what can people consider biker because I ride. I have, I'm sitting here in my fucking garage right now. I got a street triple and I'm looking at my back. You know, so I'm not your quintessential, oh man, it's, it's Harley or nothing, brother, blah, blah, ah, nah, nah, or, you know, choppers or just one thing. I don't just stick to one thing. I fucking like it, everything. I think if you're into Dinah's or the vintage scene, pretty cool place to go. Uh, bagger scene, I'm, I'm another, me and, me and my, my club, well, not my club brother, um, me and my brother, you know, we were just talking about that this morning in the garage when we were going over his shit. We were talking about, you know, the old chopper days and, how I used to see the the what we call trailer queens. In an air wing, we call them hangar queens that one fucking aircraft don't go nowhere. Well, in motorcycle world, we call them trailer queens, where it's, oh, I'm going to put my bike in the trailer, I'm going to ride it around, and I'm going to put it back in the trailer when I'm done riding around Main Street or wherever fuck, and, you know, then we're leaving. Like the old biker build-off days where it's like, all right, I'm going to fucking build this bitch, I'm going to ride it to the ride, like, thousands of miles, and then let that be the fucking governing voice, whether the bike makes it there for you to even fucking judge it. Uh, it's a lot more gimmicky. And look, there's nothing wrong with that. Anything is going to help the fucking sport. Like, you know, I know uh, Red Rock Harley today, they're doing this big, I know there's like a bell, bell broken stunt fucking competition, and you got fueling and legend, and you know, you got a bunch of stunt riders like Seabear uh, Stunts, and then, you know, he's a local uh, famous stunner that's famous for fucking stunting his road glide. Guy's amazing. I'd never be able to ride with that kind of skill level, I think, or nor would I want to. Um, but you're going to have a lot of amazing guys like that out there representing the sport. And I think that part of it's good. Uh, the douchebags that are fucking just riding around on a fucking pain of Donna's that don't do fuck all. And it's like, whatever, you know, it's no different from it's, it's just part of the sport. You're going to have to bear the affliction gene fucking cats like that. But look, Go down there, be leery. If you're like I said, if you're just gonna go down there to purpose of party and don't even fucking ride your bike, take a fucking Uber. Go down there, get fucked up, buy all your leather shit, your man rings, buy you and your fucking old lady a fucking matching ring. Then we decide to get some balls and get on the track. Oh no, I'm just talking shit. I'm just talking shit. Uh, yeah, go down there and do all that man ring, fucking affliction, gene, fucking shit if you want. Um, there's gonna be some good bands down there too. So I mean, like I'm a huge music lover and I'm a huge supporter of my city. I love Vegas. I love Clark County. I love Nevada. So I'm always going to fucking rep my city and say, go down there, enjoy some music. There's some great vendors out there, local vendors. So go check those guys out. Just don't think that's the most important. Like you said, I'm in the garage. Wife just came back from a Harbor Freight run. Yay. She came back with fucking energy drinks. Fuck yeah. Um, yeah. Say what's up. What up? So I was just feeling about Vegas Bike Fest. About how it's like bike fest or fucking traps and just like like I was saying, like if you're gonna go and fucking party, just go and fucking party. Get an Uber and go party. Don't do the whole like I'm gonna fucking take my bike down there and fucking look like a fucking douche, a fucking douche canoe, <laughs> fucking whatever. So um, another thing we're gonna talk about, and this is something. This is my is gonna be my my garage tip of the week because uh, my brother uh, that came by earlier, he's got a 2018 Roadmaster. Um, worried about his tire pressures. Okay. Now Indians, what I've noticed, they've been really finicky with their TPMS sensors, their tire pressure monitoring systems for you, uh, for you jarheads out there. All right. Um, basically it's a sensor in the valve stem with a battery that displays on the screen. Now he's been freaking out because 
in the morning he's been reading super low. Then he'll rush to go put air in there. And then by the time he gets riding, it's like reading like fucking 50 PSI, you know, 49 PSI. I think we're setting his right now. He likes him at 38, 41. So uh, he came over, let the bike cool down for a minute because uh, it was it was pretty chilly. I mean, it's the desert. So we're entering our fall year, fall time of year where you're entering 60s in the night and shit. And look, even when we're out, me and Tony were out in Colorado. We get in the morning and the Jeeps were like at 26 PSI. Guys. You're checking your tire pressure. At least let the bike sit in the sun for about five, 10 minutes for some of these that run have a tendency of having mass fluctuations like Indians are known to have. Um, at least your uh, your chieftains and your uh, roadmasters. I would suggest just letting them warm up a little bit before you decide to go run and, and, and throw tire pressure in there. Uh, because here it is, you can add it when it's super fucking cold. And then you're adding tire pressure in, you're adding five, six PSI, freaking the fuck out. And then when you're riding later on and reach 43.50, you're gonna freak out the fuck again. Um, follow your owner's manual. What I did was he let it cool down for about 10, 15 minutes. We're just sitting here bullshitting, drinking coffee in the garage. I put him at 37 and 40. So that way he felt comfortable, had room to expand. If he goes over plus or minus two or three PSI, not a big deal, which is gonna happen when they're hot. So. Um, take, take advantage of that. Go ahead and check, check out your owner's manual. Always read your owner's manual. And when else fails, you just the fucking internet. It's at your disposal. I know some people are always tell you like, oh, fuck the forums, fuck YouTube. It's depending the information you're getting from the forums and YouTube. If you're getting the whole fucking, I own a gold wing, but I fucking hate it. Well, then obviously, you know, that's a biased opinion. Fuck them. But if you're reaching a forum or you're on YouTube and you just need some guidance on kind of where to go, which is where we ended up today. Um, it's it's super simple. It's not that hard. You know, here it is. He wanted to adjust his headlight a little bit. His was adjusted too high. Uh, PDI shit, pre-delivery inspection shit, motherfuckers. Either way, uh, wasn't 100% sure because he has his chrome panel in the front. I took the two Allens out, but wasn't 100% sure. So we just looked at the video just to make sure because it was a little stiff in there. Didn't want to break anything. And then once we saw that it was some pop-out points with some rubber uh, rubber grommets in there, I was like, okay, I took my nylon fucking puller and just pull it, boop, and it popped right out just so we can adjust his headlight. But, you know, YouTube isn't bad for shit like that, guys. Or if you want to know, oh, should I do this and this? Now, where YouTube fails is where you're trying to get specific specifications. Like, oh, how much fork oil should I be putting in here? Or, you know, how much exactly is... That's where it's like, okay, that's when you need to do a little bit more of your research and it goes straight for your manufacturer. But if you're just looking like, man, does that thing even fucking pop out when you pop the screws out? Well, before you fucking break something, it could cost you money. Use YouTube. It's not a big deal. So we got his tire pressures locked in and we got his headlight adjusted. Easy pickings. He was even going to be like, oh, no, I'll just come back over later. I'm like, fuck that, dude. We got YouTube. We got the internet. You and I both have smartphones. We can get this shit done. Trust me. <laughs> so... That's my tip. Make sure you're checking your tire pressures. Don't freak the fuck out. If it's like freezing cold in your fucking garage, and you know you're running an average. Let's just say today, right? Started off the day, it was like 60 something. And then it's going to be a high of 80. Well, your bike's sitting in a cold garage. Probably not the best time to fucking check the tire pressures. Maybe take it around the block real quick or take it around your neighborhood and then check them. Because at least you get some of that ambient air temperature warmed up enough to where you get somewhat of a good reading. Uh, and guys, mind you, I'm not talking about track temperatures or this, that, and the other. That's a little bit different. That, you need a little bit more accuracy when it comes to that shit. But for your everyday riding, for the kind of guy that doesn't check his fucking tire pressure except for once a fucking month or some shit like that, 
good tip. And you should be checking your tire pressures more than once a month, at least twice a month, guys. All right. Well, look, that's my tip of the week. Uh, you know what? Hold on. I'm going to talk about one other thing, too. Uh, pretty cool thing has happened recently. But just out in the garage with the door open and working on shit. And uh, a couple of my neighbors roll by and just want to start talking about motorcycles. And I gladly give them the time. I try not to be rude to the people that I'm working on the bikes with. Thankfully, those people are always understanding because they're my friends. But um, it's always fun to talk about the sport. Take time to talk to people, even if you feel like they're a squid. And I'll be honest with you. Look, I, I can tell one of these guys we talked about restoration project and another one we were just talking about. He just bought a new little 200 and he's trying to learn how to ride. And he was drooling over my bikes when he saw him and take the time, be a good neighbor to the sport. And also it helps you grow as a rider too, when you're able to share your experiences and to share those with other people, uh, not to be cocky or condescending, but be humble about it. But still, when you share your experiences, people keep that in their brain housing group. And I can tell you right now, there's been a couple times where I remember my friends telling me the situations they were in and I put the resolution in my head. And when I got in those situations myself, I was able to get myself out of trouble. So share the knowledge, grow the community, Take time to talk to your neighbors. It's all fucking part of the sport. Um, look, guys, thanks for listening. We're over 500 plays, uh, you know, which I know some people are like, oh, that ain't shit. But I'm always super humbled. I kept my words, my goal. I started the day that I got off and recorded the last episode. I started an Instagram page. So if you guys want to go find out, it's going to be Moto Dad Tito. So it's going to be M-O-T-O-D-A-D. T-I-T-O on Instagram, okay? So go check out the page. I'll be posting some cool motorcycle shit. Um, I'm going to be doing some rides here. I think we're going to do a ride tomorrow out to Pioneer, me and some of the, uh, my friends. And I'm going to try to steer clear of the Vegas Bike Fest because you guys know how I feel about that shit. But if you're in town, have fun. There's be- I'm telling you right now, I encourage you guys, don't get stuck in the trap of going to drink and just spending all your money there. Let that be part of your experience, but not all of your experience. Um, we got Red Rock, we got Valley Fire, Lake Mead, uh, even shooting out to Boulder City uh, to go get some some nice lunch out there or go out to Pioneer Saloon. We got some beautiful places here in, in this little town we call Vegas, a little neon city. So please, 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 I encourage you guys, if you're in the city just for the purposes of Vegas Bike Fest, go out and ride. Go see some of these. I mean, Valley Fire and Red Rock are beautiful, especially when it's not 100 degrees. So Let's get out there and enjoy it before it gets too cold. Look, guys, find me on uh, Facebook. Find me on Instagram, Moto Dad Tito. It's there. All right, I'm going to keep putting out content. Please, please, please send me any kind of feedback. I'm looking at my uh, my analytics, and I see we got listeners in other countries. Um, I saw one from Guam the other day. Whoever's listening out in Guam, I really appreciate you. Uh, I try to pay attention to shit like this. If there's anything that you guys want to share Please, I encourage you to hit me up on the Facebook page, Motorcycle uh, Dad with Tito. You know, Moto Dad Tito, if you type it in, and you can find me on Instagram as well, Moto Dad Tito. Send me a DM, send me pictures of your bikes, send me whatever you guys want, man. I'm here to, to grow the community, grow the sport. Appreciate you guys listening. You guys get out there and go fucking ride. If you still if it's still warm enough for you to go fucking ride where you're at, go and fucking ride. If not, get in the garage, fucking beat some shit around. Fucking YouTube and look up some stuff and take care of your shit. All right. Much love and respect, mad love and respect, whichever way you want to see it going out to everybody listening. And uh, I'll see you when I see you. Peace.